What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 142, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Birthright. Birthright! I came up with a, a super great pun on Twitter yesterday. Zach, do you want to hear it? you want to hear it? Oh, yes, please. I figured out that while a person who builds a ship is a shipwright, yes. the person that builds the thing that you build the ship in is a birthright. That would be a B-E-R-T-H-W-R-I-G-H-T. Not, not That's exactly B- right! Not not a B-R-I. B- no. Oh, I love it. Look, it's wonderful. You're what the great. deal is, I'm sure that that was the original idea. I'm positive of it, um, even after watching the episode. And what happened to them was what happened to me, is that back in 2003, when they were writing this thing out, Apple's autocorrect said, oh, clearly you mean birthright, not birthright, because birthright's not a word. And I'm like, no, 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 I mean birthright. Do it that way. Well, the writers didn't catch it. Anyway, uh, hey, hey, friends, there's only one place that you can hear these wackadoodle thoughts, and that's on an independent podcast. <laughs> if we were sponsored by something, they'd be like, nah, no, no, stop it. Just just, just read the ad. But we don't have ads to read. No, no. If you'd like to support the show. Today's episode is sponsored by none other than Brent and Zach. That's, that's right. And like, the Patreon supporters. Sort of. It's one of those Not things really, that if we didn't of. get any Patreon support, we would still be doing this. So in that regard, it's not. But on the other hand, absolutely. I am a big fan of supporting artists doing their thing. I support all sorts of artists doing all sorts of things. And so if you're of that mindset too, you can support us if you wish. Patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate as incentives, of course. We have tiers and privileges and you have the ability to vote on things and you get the ability to listen to things first the first listening things include stargate second chances where zach and i rewatch certain episodes based off of votes that you have patreon listeners and uh we are borderline delinquent i think zach we technically have these things on our calendar sort of like we definitely talked about it last week but whatever we got um episodes coming up that we're going to be recording for Stargate Second Chances. There's also the other side of the gate where good friend of the show, quasi showrunner, sort of producer David, who does the promos and reminds us every single week to be good social media engagement individuals, uh, also loves to discuss spoilerific things with Zach on the other side of the gate. Uh, stuff that I'm not allowed to listen to, which is lots of fun because it's fun for me in concept because I'm glad that there is a space where you two can be all like, oh man, Brent's totally gonna have his mind blown with this or not. I don't know. Yeah, you might be talking about grilled cheese recipes, a reference which I have promised to put on our website for months now. Years. And I've done no, no such it's, thing. It's, it's, it's been more than a year. I think that's true. Anyway, uh, the <laughs> third thing that we've got going on is Stargate Infinity. We lost a bet. And this is where way back when, when we started Patreon, we were like, sure, let's have something fun. If we get a crazy amount of support, we'll watch a crazy show. Here we are getting a crazy amount of support. And so uh, every month now, Zach and I are watching an episode of Stargate Infinity, the non-canonical animated series that aired in the early 2000s. Has nothing to do with the actual Stargate show, except that it kind of barely sort of has something to do with the original Stargate show. So we've watched two episodes so far. Uh, we've got a third one coming up here before too long. And it it's fun um, because, come on, I'm the guy that gave Bane a seven, right? Like, hello, <laughs> this is me. 
This is me. Uh, if you want to listen to all that stuff right now, right now, right now, you can jump onto patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Join in at just, I think, any level, and you can get access to that yep. stuff. Certain levels get other privileges. If you do not want to support the show because you cannot or will not, either are fine. Do not worry, friends. We like to use those episodes that we have created for the Patreon stuff as things to drop into our main feed whenever we want to take a break. And because we're people, and this is not our full-time job. And so as a result... There are plenty of times where we can't or won't be able to uh, do a recording, so we just drop in something from the Patreon feed. It's great. It makes my life easier, at least. Uh, Zach, I think it makes yours, too. We're it like, does. Sweet. Very much so. Content. Done. So uh, it'll always drop on our main feed. And where can you find our feed? You know where we can where you can find our feed. You can tell others that they can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and my favorite podcast aggregators that's everywhere that podcasts are sold do not buy it we're not selling it um uh there we go uh hey zach yep if a person wants to let me know that uh that my read this morning was great it's probably because i had a good old-fashioned midwestern breakfast of ham eggs and toast how might they let us know that uh that Protein-rich breakfasts seem to do better for Brent's focus in the intro than carbohydrate-rich breakfasts. Ah, well, um, if you, dear listeners, uh, have realized, like I realized, that that uh, Brent, prior to recording, said he wanted to do this quick and efficiently, and then I look at the cli- time and realize that he did it in exactly about the same amount of time as he always does it, so it may have Hush. been efficient, but it wasn't any quicker... <laughs> Which none of you would have actually heard because none of you were here before we started recording, which is no. exciting. Uh, <laughs> in any case, called out. if you have, have words for us about breakfast or otherwise, by the way, I had a very nice everything bagel toasted with butter. Really? Mm, good. Very good. It's your favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, you can email us at walkingthroughastargate at gmail.com, which is exactly as it would normally be. So do that. Or go to Twitter, mm-hmm. at Stargate Walking. Follow us there. Talk to us there. All of that fun stuff there. Or go to Facebook, the Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page and group. Do all the fun things there. Space. Or you can go to the website, wtts.space. You, 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 you were slow there, Brent. Uh, it, it, there's, there's a lag between us because of... Because of FaceTime. Okay, fine. All right, I'll give you. I'll give you that. In any case, plus I'll. I mean, I edit it in post. Like, I'm gonna edit it so that I say space before you say it. <laughs> <laughs> You're really gonna confuse your listeners if you do that, Brent. They'll. they'll, they'll, they'll this is the point where they get caught up. Do <laughs> <laughs> the magic of editing. Okay. Or you can go to Discord and you can get to the link on the website and all that stuff and join us there. That's awesome. Or, of course, Patreon, all of that stuff. So, Brent, uh, I have done some calculating, and here are some Mm -hmm. episodes that we will need to do for Second Chances. I just looked at the list. (laughs) It's bigger. Uh, We've got The Torment of Tantalus, Forever in a Day. This is turning into... Ergo. Oh, this... This is turning into a this is this is turning into a thing. I know. Beneath <laughs> the surface. Um, so dear listeners, uh, Brent and I talked about this last week off air and uh, in 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 a couple of weeks from now, I don't know exactly when it is, we are going to officially take the week off from podcasting normal mm-hmm. so that we can catch up on some of this Patreon stuff that we are mm-hmm. falling behind on. Uh, because mm-hmm. uh, both Brent and I are what we call 
busy individuals in our full-time professional daily lives. Oh, yeah. And this is not a full-time professional podcast. Sorry, folks. Uh, but good news. I, I don't know what we've got in the can on the Patreons, but we have, I mean, like, the feed will have something. Indeed. Indeed. It's, it's just that, you know, you and me, we're going to skip watching an episode so that, well, no, that's not true. We're going to watch a bunch. We're going to watch, watch, like, three of episodes <laughs> of something. <laughs> But it's going to be a bunch of Stargate we've already seen, and so... <laughs> uh, some of it will be Stargate uh, Infinity, which we haven't that's seen. That's right. But, all right. In any case, that's all happening. Uh, it'll be fun, handy-dandy, cool stuff oh, yeah. coming your way, because your ear holes need walking through the Stargate. Yes, yes, they do. All right. Brent. Yes. We should dig into Birthright. Yes. Right. Absolutely. The episode is directed by Peter West. This is his first of three directing credits this season. Um, the teleplay is by none other than Christopher Judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his third writing credit, uh, The Warrior, which is technically a story credit, The Changeling, which was a writing credit, and now mm-hmm. we have Birthright. He's got at least one more uh, coming up, I believe, next season, and possibly more if I mi- I-, I counted one. And if I miscounted, then there's more. So Okay. Gotcha. All right. We've got a ton of guest actors in this. And I'm going to mm-hmm. try to go fast because you said that you have lots to talk about. I want to There's like, a lot to say. All right. All right. So first of all, we have Jolene Blaylock, who plays yep. Ishta. Uh, she was born and raised in San Diego, California. At 16, she left home to pursue, pursue modeling in Europe and Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the late 90s, she uh, started. Uh, she returned home and started doing commercials and the like. Her television debut was on NBC's Veronica's Closet. Mm-hmm. In 2000, uh, she was cast as Medea in the TV movie Jason and the Argonauts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then shortly thereafter, uh, she was cast as the Vulcan sub-commander T'Pol on Star Trek Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will see Ishta again in a future episode of Stargate. I thought so, and that's good to hear. Yep. Uh, like I said, her first IMDb credit was Veronica's Closet in 1998. Mm-hmm. She played woman number three. In the episode, Veronica's Breast Efforts. Ah, it was one of those episodes. It was. (laughs) Uh, Now, we have Christine Adams, who plays Mala. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is uh, Ishta's second in command, more or less. Mm -hmm. She was born in London, England. Uh, She's been in several British and American television series and movies since the early 2000s. Um, she is known as uh, Catherine Williams Osgood on the British miniseries Nylon. That was mm. in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simone Hunden on the American comedy drama series Pushing Daisies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lena Bo- Boudreau on the short-lived ABC legal drama series The Whole Truth. Mm-hmm. And in Fox's sci-fi drama series Terra Nova, she played Mira. Mm-hmm. She's been in other shows like Black Lightning, Castlevania, Ordinary Joe, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Her first IMDb credit was in 1999 in the movie The World Is Not Enough. Mm-hmm. She was the uncredited girl in Casino. <laughs> now, a year later... 
just one. <laughs> I'm confident there was more than one girl in the casino. <laughs> well, but she played girl in casino. She didn't play all yeah, the girls right. in the casino. No, she sure, no, she didn't. She, she played that one. Uh, now, a year later, uh, there was a video game, The World Is Not Enough, and she was also in that, apparently credited uh, in the same girl in casino role. Gotcha. There you go. We have Kathleen DuBorg, who plays Neith. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is an actress and producer. She's known for A Brush with Love, Call of the Wild, and Travelers. I believe mm-hmm. Travelers is actually a Brad Wright uh, television series. Ah, okay. Uh, her first IMDb credit was in 1993 in the TV series The Commish. She played Gwen in the episode The Heart is a Lonely Sucker. Mm, mm-hmm. One of those episodes. Yeah, well, of course it is. <laughs> is that your shtick now? Just one of those episodes? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's one of those things that if I say it often enough, it'll become funny, I think. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to give it a try. All right. Well, maybe you, you probably we'll have to out. do it a couple more times before it really gets funny. I think I would have to do it many, 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 many more times before it. Yeah. All I right. probably should let it go. I'm going to let it go. There it went. No, oh, oh, there. Well, bye. Bye. Stick. Bye. bye. All right. Anyway, we have uh, Kirsten Zine. Uh, although she, in this episode, she was uh, credited as Kirsten Prout. Mm-hmm. She plays Nessa, the girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was born in Vancouver. And she started working in uh, TV shows and such from a very early age. Uh, she was guest starring in shows like First Wave, of course, this and Stargate SG-1, Cold Squad, and The Dead Zone. Mm-hmm. Her first sizable role, whatever sizable means, was in the 2005 movie with Jennifer Garner, Electra, when mm-hmm. she played the martial arts prodigy, Abby Miller. Mm-hmm. Interestingly... Uh, she actually performed many of her own stunts and used her own martial arts training for the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, she starred as Amanda Bloom in the TV series Kyle XY. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly thereafter, she attended McGill University as an English lit major. And uh, then she was cast as Lucy in the Twilight Saga movie Eclipse, mm-hmm. uh, which I have never seen, uh, but that's fine. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sure some of our listeners have, and maybe they'll recognize her. That'd be cool. Probably so. Um, She's done a lot of other shows and movies since in her career. Uh, Her first IMDb credit came in the year 2000 uh, when she played Stella as an eight-year-old in the Linda McCartney story, a TV movie. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, We have Simone Bailey, who plays Kal-El. she is the one in the midriff. Uh, well, <laughs> not just the one. She is one of the ones. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, when Neith's when like, I want to challenge Ischa. Yes. Uh, Simone Bailey Kalel was the one who did most of the talking and later yep. was the one who brought Teal'c and Daniel to Nessa. Yes. That, that's Kalel. Yes. Uh, she has been immersed in theater, dance, athletics, singing, modeling, and all sorts of stuff from a young age. She graduated with honors uh, from the acting program at the University of British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, she performed and toured with Shakespeare companies and sang hip-hop, funk, jazz bands, and all that mm. fun stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in her spare time, she does yoga. She does longboard, skateboarding, pole dancing classes, snowboarding, playing pool, all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. Most recently, like as of a couple of years ago, uh, she was featured in TV series like A Million Little Things, Blood and Treasure, uh, NCIS Los Angeles, and Limitless. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's worked in all sorts of genres of film, uh, from sci-fi to action to comedy and all that stuff. And she lives, uh, in Vancouver, but still trans, uh, travels back to her hometown. She lives in Los Angeles. Wow. I can't read my own typing. (laughs) She resides in LA, but she travels back to her hometown of Vancouver regularly. Yeah. That's that. Those, those, those places are different. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Uh, you wanted me to go fast, so I'm trying to go fast. Uh, I did ask you to do that. Yep. Was, yeah. Um, she has her own YouTube channel. She is the host and producer of the Simone Bailey Show on YouTube. Ah, look at that. Um, she, her first IMDb credit was in 2001 in the Outer Limits TV series. She played administrator in the episode The Surrogate. Um, awesome. And... We will see Kalel return in several more episodes in the future. Really? Yes. So, okay. Uh, this is why I, I brought her up in this situation, because she's kind of tangential to this story, but we'll see her again in the future, and I figured I should mention it. Very good. Uh, there are a host of other people. Uh, Nigel Vonda plays Raquel. He's the Jaffa that gets killed at the very beginning. Incidentally, this was his first IMDb credit. We have Elizabeth Weinstein, who plays okay. Emta, Julie Hill, who plays Jinra, Nika Smook, who plays Nick Tall. I believe Nika, Nikki, not Nika, Nikki Smook is the wife of Michael Greenberg, if I correct, the, the executive oh. producer. Um, yeah. And, and she's a, a, an equestrian, and so that's why they needed her. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you've got Corey Martin, who is the fallen Jeff Oz, like, I choose freedom. <laughs> Right, and then you got Kimberly Unger, who's the nurse, and yep. of course Taylor Rothery, who plays Doctor Fraser. Yes. All right. This episode originally aired on August 15, two thousand three. Number one in the charts in the UK was still "Breathe" by Blue Cantrell, <laughs> featuring Sean Paul. This is the part of the show where Zach ignores the United States. <laughs> it was a banger. You know. In the box office this weekend, number one was Freddy versus Jason, which when you're watching, you do need to make sure that you are breathing because, you know, they try to kill each other, I guess. I haven't actually seen it. I don't know. I think so, too. I haven't seen it, Um, but I do remember it I I presume so because they're both horror characters and it is a versus. So presumably they're attacking each other. Who knows? Who wins? I don't know. Watch the movie. I've never seen it. Do I care? No, I don't. You know what? Who could stop Freddy versus Jason from fighting is a SWAT team. Oh, they yep, would yep, come yep. in there and says, you sit in your corner. You sit in your corner and stop fighting. And they would do this naturally in an open range. That's number three. Okay. When is all of this happening? Clearly, it's happening on a Freaky Friday. Ah, yeah, okay. And Uptown Girls are watching in the background. I don't know. I got nothing. That was okay. All right. That was all right. Uptown Girls were, um, because it's a horror movie, they are unfortunately the tropey uh, individuals who are at most jeopardy 
throughout the entire film. Oh, that, of, of course. You know, there I'm you pretty certain that the Uptown Girls are the ones that accidentally get a knife or a claw or or some other bludgeoning object thrown accidentally in their direction, and one of them just gets smushed into the spray yes. of blood, and one of the other girls, because it's a horror movie and it's tropey and all that stuff, looks at her friends, and she's just like, Yes. Does that does that does that quintessential like, you know, well lit, eyes wide open, mouth almost as large as her own face, just uh-huh. terrifying blood curdling scream. Yep. And, and her face has been splattered with the blood of her best friend. Yes. Naturally. Yes. Yes. All right. Which happens to be ketchup, but that's fine. Well, you know, yes. In any case, what was happening on this day or around this day in two thousand three? Well, on August 14, one day before this episode aired, there was wide-scale power blackouts in the Northeast United States and Canada. You know, I wonder if that affects the ratings. I have no idea. Neither do I. Part of me wonders, though, like, wow, this is what this episode took a hit. Hmm. Oh, well. Meanwhile, millions of people Meanwhile. in the Northeast were, like, unable to turn on the TV. <laughs> So, but that was a day before this episode, so maybe they got it fixed. I don't think so. I think I remember this one. It took a while. I don't remember it, but that's okay. Um, on August 16th, um, although keep in mind at this point in time, I was living in a different country, so anything that was happening in the U.S., I was kind of suspect <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, I remember it because I think it hit the southeast of Michigan where I was a couple, like a year and a bit prior, but I was no longer there, and I'm like, wow, got out of there just in time. Ah, well, there you go. All right. Well, on August 16, one day after this episode aired, a lot of stuff was going on, including mm-hmm. U.S. Representative from South Dakota, Bill uh, Janklau. Janklau? No, 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 whatever. He hits and kills a motorcyclist with his mm. car at a rural intersection near Trent, South Dakota. He will eventually be convicted of manslaughter and will resign from Congress. Ouch. All right. Also on the 16th, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, makes his debut for Manchester United and mm-hmm. the Premier League in a 4-0 to home victory over the Bolton Wanderers. Yeah. Also on the 16th, New Zealand beats Australia 21-17 at Eden Park, Auckland to win their fifth Tri-Nations Rugby Series. Mm-hmm. Um, all Blacks have mm-hmm. undefeated... Four and O record, and have an undefeated uh, and regained the Bledisloe <laughs> Cup from. Well, I mean, so I don't know enough about rugby, and that first beginning <laughs> of the sentence just really throws me. Like this just doesn't strike me as good. Uh, all Blacks have an undefeated 4-0 record and regain the Blesdo Cup from the Wallabies. Yes, uh, All Blacks is the name that of uh, the New Zealand rugby team, and Wallabies is the name of. The Australian rugby team, and and as is the custom with, uh, seemingly the custom with Commonwealth nations, they don't u- like to use a definite article in front of their team names. So instead uh, of the All Blacks, it's just All Blacks, and instead of the Wallabies, it's just Wallabies. And it's it's, so, it's one way to understand if you're talking to somebody who supports Tottenham or San Antonio by whether or not they put the word the in front of the word Spurs. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. 
I, I'm just saying know, that any sentence that begins all blacks without context yes. is yes. problematic. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you don't know what rugby is, those words don't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in any case, also on the 16th, Idi Amin, Ugandan dictator from 1971 to 1979, who killed an estimated 100,000 to 500,000 people, dies Jeez. of kidney failure at the aged somewhere between 75 and 80. Wow. Woof. Woofda. That's no yeah. good. No good. Yeah. All right. I have trivia for this episode. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Christopher Judge wrote this episode, and in an interview, he said that he wrote this episode with Jolene Blaylock in mind for the part of Ishta. Hmm. Now, interest, fortunately, she accepted the role. Now, Christopher and Jolene met up in the makeup trailer before they were going to film, and she told him that she hadn't completely memorized the lines yet, which is probably not uncommon, and Christopher Judge, being the big hulking, joking man that he is, says, I wrote this part for you, and you don't even take the time to memorize them? And of course, mm -hmm. we know Christopher well enough to know that he is clearly making a joke, and he's being silly and goofy, because that's who he is, but, uh, uh, you know, Jolene Blaylock is not, shall we say, the largest person, and mm -hmm. Christopher Judge <laughs> is a huge person, mm -hmm. and if you don't already know the context of the the sarcasm that is Christopher Judge, you might take that to heart. Now, holy smoke, she did not know he was joking. And when they get to set, she was in tears. Mm -hmm. Christopher then had to backpedal significantly, trying to explain that he was only joking. Uh, later, he got a call from the producers who said straight up, Chris, what did you do? Mm -hmm. Um. And, and I guess they, they all, you know, got it sorted out. But uh, frankly, this does not surprise me because I don't see a lot of chemistry on film between these two people. <laughs> I'm laughing so heartily because neither did I. <laughs> I'll give you a tiny spoiler oh. of where I'm going. I'm glad to hear that Ishta's coming back because, boy, did they ever make a point out of having a little thing in the episode where they were all like, you see, Ishta and Teal'c are a thing. They're a thing. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, are we going to see her again? Like, okay. <clears throat> yes, we will. Okay. So, uh, the the uh, Gua Wuld, uh, ruling the planet that uh, Ishta and her compatriots come from is Moloch, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, or Molek. Uh, the Molek is kind of an interesting uh, character in in the ancient world. Um, mm -hmm. He is referenced in the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Uh, that's mm -hmm. in the Christian Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, uh, and he. But in those books, it is. Uh, referenced in such a way that says, hey, don't go sacrificing your children to Moloch. Mm -hmm. And for a long, long, long time, everybody assumed that Moloch was just a Canaanite god that you could, or a god of the Ammonites, uh, same basic group of people, in that first mm -hmm. millennium BCE, and then, you know, there you go. However, uh, in roughly 1935 or thereabouts, scholars began to debate whether or not the term refers to a type of sacrifice or a particular god uh mm. so the question is 
uh, is sacrificing to the Moloch or or in the way of the Moloch is is that like a way that one sacrifices? Like if you sacrifice your children, that's to the Moloch, uh, and then you sacrifice to a different god, uh, mm-hmm. or are you sacrificing to the god Moloch? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's still debate out there, but more and more scholars tend to think that this is probably not actually a deity, um, hmm. but actually a way to sacrifice. And so then the question becomes, when in the Bible it says don't sacrifice to Moloch, are they saying don't sacrifice in the way to Moloch to the god Yahweh, who's the god of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. um, uh, and or, or frankly, any other detail, right? Don't, don't sacrifice to Moloch or to the Moloch, you know, in the means mm-hmm. of Moloch, uh, you know, Spoiler kids, or parents, don't sacrifice your children. Don't do yeah, it. The, don't, no. don't, don't throw them it, on a pyre. Very, very, don't don't slice them with, with... No, don't do no, it. No. 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 Oh, I saw you. Don't do it. No. <laughs> I, you know who I'm talking... Yeah, that's right. You oh, put that away. Step away. Such low opinion of our listenership, Zach. Well, okay. It was the specialist. <laughs> I... I it's a, it was a shtick. Oh, yeah. It, 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 don't hit him with the shtick either. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, no, don't hit your children with the stick. <laughs> It'll leave a dull impression on their mind. <clears throat> uh, so um, that's kind of uh, the interesting little thing there. Um, of course, uh, since the medieval period, Moloch has been portrayed as a bullhead idol, um, mm-hmm. kind of a minotaur-esque type of creature with outstretched hands over a fire saying, hey, throw your children into this pit of fire for me, <laughs> because yum, yum. Um, uh, oh, but wait a minute. I mean, but that's not, that's not, that's a direct correlate. I see. Okay, so then they actually, like the writers of the show had at least done some wiki Wikipedia research, which is impressive because Wikipedia was just barely a thing at that point. You know, they, they, they did. Um, and I actually, you know, copied a whole bunch of stuff from Wikipedia that I didn't actually read, which is fine. I kind of summed up. Um, <laughs> let me explain. <laughs> no, 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 too much to explain. Let me sum up. Let me sum up. Um, uh, the term Molech has been figuratively used throughout time uh, as a reference to a person or a thing which demands or requires a very costly sacrifice. I, which, yeah. Which makes sense. So, that is what I have to say about Moloch. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, uh, both Terrell Rothery, who plays Dr. Frazier, and Kirsten Prout, who plays Nessa, appear mm-hmm. in uh, the series Kyle XY. Rothery actually plays her mother in that series. Ah, uh, fun. And uh, Jolene Blaylock uh, is the seventh Star Trek veteran to appear in the franchise after Armin Shimmerman in The Knox, Dwight Schultz in The Gamekeeper, Rene Aubergenois in The Other Side, Marina Sirtis in Watergate, John Delancey in Ascension and other episodes, and John Billingsley in The Other Guys. Yeah. So. That's fun. There's a lot of crossover there. Uh, this episode title in other languages, the French call it the Amazons. Mm-hmm. The Italians call it birthright. The Spanish call it birthright. Uh, the German call it die Hochtel, which is where they're from. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the Hungarians 
And the, well, the Hungarians call it the right of birth. Uh-huh. And the Czechs translates their title as the right to be born. Uh-huh. There you go. Mm-hmm. So, are you ready for the synopsis? Yeah. Let's get into All it. All right, here we go. On an alien planet, a Jaffa named Rakil walks through the forest and is confronted by SG-1. But don't worry, because he's one of the good Jaffa. Yay! He wants their help. Unfortunately, that is short-lived when, a group, when the group is ambushed and Rakil is shot in the back by those bad Jaffa. Boo! Things don't look good for SG-1. By the way, did you notice that Carter has got her Carter special weapon? No! But, but I did uh, notice that... Um that uh, O'Neill had his, 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 his P-30XT90. Yes, he does. He's got the cool P-90, but she has her Carter special. Yep. Uh, you know, Daniel has his sidearm. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, Daniel has his glasses. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, but, but then, the ambushers are ambushed. What? A barrage of staff blasts fly through smoke-filled trees and... Soon the fighting stops. Out of the smoke, the saviors of SG-1 emerge. They are a group of female Jaffa warriors. They simply ask that SG-1 follows them. And one of them pulls out the symbiote from that dead Jaffa that was killed there. SG-1 looks at this and is a little bit weirded out. Tilk is more than a little bit weirded out. Still, uh, you know, they, they seem to be good people, so let's just... We'll follow them. They follow them through the Stargate to their home planet that they have named Hoctil. Now, at this point in time, uh, O'Neill says, hey, we got a phone home. You know, we were out late and all that stuff. You know, we want to make sure everybody knows where we are. Okay, fine. Anyway, while they're walking to the Jaffa village, SG-1 discusses the similarities between these women and the Earth legend of the Amazons. At the village, they meet the leader, Ishta, who knows about Teal'c and wants an alliance with Earth. But... Tilk is not happy about the Hawktail killing other Jaffa. Ishta explains why they do what they do. And they show, as evidence, a girl who has just hit puberty and was near death because that whole genetic Jaffa thing and blah, blah, blah. And the only way to save her life was the healing power of Gould Symbiote, which they procured, which they inserted, and now she is healthy. She's alive because of their actions. Ishta then shows them another girl named Nessa, who will soon need a symbiote herself. We do this because it is necessary. It's good. Ishta later tells Major Carter that the Gulwood Lord Moloch decreed that all newborn female Jaffa should be killed. However, because Ishta was the temple high priestess, she had the means to bring the girls to Hoktil, which is liberation, all that stuff, and the Jaffa want help of the Stargate Command for basic supplies and symbiotes, of course, and all that stuff. But... In the process of this conversation, Carter says, we may have another option. It's called Tritonin. It just seems to be unconvinced in this new drug at this point in time. Later, Carter discusses all of this with her teammates. But Teal'c is still not pleased. He goes into the forest, grumpy, where he finds a glade marked with symbols of several designs, kind of like Dreamcatchers. Ishta shows up, and they talk about the situation of the Jaffa. Is that an attraction, I sense? It, yes? Yeah, kinda? It, it's supposed to be there? Anyway, 
As they wander the forest, they find themselves in a training ground, and the two begin to spar. Ishta is mad that Tilk seems to be holding back. Don't hold back, you will only anger me further. They each get their blows in. Tilk seems to have won when Ishta realizes that, what? You no longer carry a symbiote? She gets angry and she flips him over her shoulder to the ground. And she says, this is pride speaking. The touting the benefits of Tritonin, yet hiding your own use of the drug. And she wanders off. Still, she seems to have been convinced. Because she then later informs her people about the situation and wants four volunteers to go with her to Earth to test the Tritonin. Now, the women are initially reluctant, but they do get the volunteers. Nessa wants to volunteer, but her older sister Neith is really unhappy with the whole situation and refuses to let Nessa participate. No! You cannot do this! I say no! Ishta was going to be one of the patients, but her second-in-command, Mala, says, Ishta, you're too valuable as the leader, so we can't have you do this. I will take your place. Okay. That's wonderful. It makes for... Anyway. At Stargate Command, the Hocktail Jaffa are greeted by General Hammond, and they are escorted to the infirmary where Dr. Fraser begins the process of administering the Tritonin trials on the test subjects. On the planet, Tilkin Ishta have a wonderful walk through the prairie talking about life, Tilk's marriage status, their attraction to each other, Tritonin, Gould, all sorts, all this stuff, you know. And, and when they return to her tent in the evening, they kiss... And presumably more. <laughs> At the SGC, Carter talks with Mala about her life. Her husband and child were killed before her by Moloch and the bad guys. Blah, 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 blah. Her, her loyalty to the Hocktail cause is strong. Go, Mala. As the trials continue, we discover, unfortunately, that Mala does not respond well to Tritonin. But she is stalwart and refuses to quit the trial. This must work. It must work. Spoiler, it doesn't work. Aw, man. In the village, Daniel talks with the girl, Nessa. She wants to be a strong warrior, but also doesn't want others to be killed for her. But what can she do? In the morning, Daniel wakes up to the sound of a Javas staff weapon opening in his face. <laughs> Holding the weapon is Neith, Nessa's sister. Suffice it to say, she is still not happy. She is grouchy, grouchy this whole episode. Grouchy. Sorry. Uh, she tried to save two of her sisters, and she failed. And she was able to save her sister, Nessa, but she had to kill her father to do it. So this is her last sister. There's none other sisters left. And she is not afraid of killing Daniel either. She will save Nessa, not this stupid Tari people. And she will save Nessa her way. Now, okay, given that backstory history, you can understand why she's grouchy. Anyway. Back at the SGC, Mala's situation continues to worsen while the other Jaffa respond well to the Tritonin. Woohoo! Mala will die without her symbiote, but she refuses to take it back. Back on the planet, Neith plans to challenge Ishta's leadership. Some of the Hoktil are unsure how to respond to Neith, but Neith believes that Ishta's judgment has been compromised by her relationship with Tilk, and she must stop it. Nessa crosses the threshold. She needs a symbiote very soon or she will die. She is lying in bed, sick, going, I need a symbiote. Can I have a symbiote, please? That, 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 that's my rendition of that. That, mm -hmm. that doesn't actually happen in the mm -hmm. episode. So. No. Anyway, anyway, at the SGC, Mala finally dies. And mm -hmm. Carter relays the news to Daniel. Meanwhile, Ishta and Neith are battling it out. 
and Ishta has knocked Neath to the ground, and she is about to shoot her with a staff weapon right in the face. That doesn't look like it would be a good thing. But Teal'c intervenes. As Ishta and Teal'c argue, Daniel arrives and says, you know, so I have some news. It's probably not a good time to stop. It never really is a good time. Just shut up and tell us. Okay, well, Mala's dead. Ah! Mala's dead! This is... Neith tells Ishta that this is her fault, and the two women agree to go together on a raid to find a symbiote that will save Nessa. This Tertonin stuff is just no good. Ishta has Daniel and Teal'c held captive and tells them that they will be killed if the other four women do not return in good health. Ishta and Neith leave with a raiding party. However, Nessa asks to have Daniel and Teal brought to her. Kalel brings them to Nessa. Nessa wants to try the Tritonin. She believes that it should be her decision. Daniel agrees, but isn't sure whether that is actually true. On another planet, the Hoktil have defeated several Jaffa. Woohoo, I guess. But Ishta is shocked when one of the severely wounded Jaffa declares his desire to be free. What have we done? We have killed a rebel Jaffa! Oh no! This shakes Ishta's resolve. As she wonders how many others like him they have killed this day, Neith is shot in the back by a dying Jaffa! How rude! But before he can shoot Ishta as well, Teal'c and Daniel arrive and Teal'c takes out the Jaffa with a Zat Blast. He saves the day, I guess. Neith's symbiote has been damaged. Ishta starts to take the symbiote from the Jaffa, who spoke of freedom, but Teal'c holds her back and says it is time to choose another way. And she's like, okay, okay. Neith is brought to the SGC, and Ishta tells her that her symbiote is dying. Neith asks Ishta to procure another one for her, but Ishta says she must now choose life without a symbiote. Neith refuses, but... Jackson brings in Nessa, who is now also taking Tritona and, and seems to be doing well with it. Neith is shocked, but her sister is able to convince her sister to take the Tritona and live. Hooray! Hooray! The female Jalopjafar are soon healed, and they prepare to leave the SGC to go back home with a lot of provisions and all of that fun stuff. And just as they are saying goodbye... Tilk and Ishta kiss passionately on the ramp. Yep. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. This episode is called Birthright. Mm-hmm. And this is the time when I ask you what you think of the episode. Uh, <clears throat> thank you, Zach, for honoring my request to get through this intro to give us enough time, enough runway to talk about this one, because, boy, do I have a lot to say. Now, here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. The reason I have a lot to say about it is that I have probably, uh, I was doing some quick math. I think I have about maybe 16 or 17 different takes on this thing. And uh, I don't think I can get through all of them. So I'll just, uh, you know, I cannot explain. Too much to explain. Let me sum up. Um, Please sum up. The This episode, uh, so this one was a complex one for me for a couple of different reasons. Thing number one, I had... Uh, I had it ringing in my ears that this one was somebody's uh, uh, worst, uh, uh, you know, least favorite episode of Stargate SG-1, period, which doesn't help matters. Um, So, you know, I was trying to ignore that as I was giving this thing a fair shot. And it starts off and it leads with uh, an obvious, uh, an obvious story element, which is uh, there is a group of individuals who are going to be um, notable in our universe 
because of their identity as women. And uh, the minute that your story says, okay, we're going to tell a story about a group of people who are grouped because of an identity, you immediately skate out onto thin ice. And the ice gets thin out there because um, it's, it is fantastic to be telling stories about individuals who center in on identity. It, and those stories are important. And those stories are powerful when they are told by people who belong to that group because they can speak from experience. And even if their stories are fiction, they can still speak with authority because they know. They know things that are part of their own experience by virtue of that identity. And here I've got Christopher Judge skating out in the middle of the lake going, I'm going to write a story about women. Off he goes. So, okay, here we are. Uh, we now have a story about powerful women. And we've got women arguing about which direction that they should go as a group. And that's normal. That's what people do. Uh, they, they disagree on important things and they have different ideas about how to resolve issues. Fine. Um, and I kept seeing moments where, you know, you've got a really extremely strong, capable female lead in the cast, but we're going to have, uh, we're going to have the dudes, uh, take care of this one. And that doesn't have to be a, an error that the, the nothing in that by itself is erroneous. It's just you, you've skated to a spot of the pond where the ice just got a little bit thinner yet. Um, you're not through. You haven't, you haven't plunged, but you, you're, 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 <laughs> you're tenuous now, buddy. And this is the zone where most of the episodes stayed. And in this zone, now I'm going to take it a level in, in this zone, I've got a story that is a bit, confused and contradictory in spots and uh uh seemingly over over focused on uh a relationship aspect which is it's fine that's fine that's fine but now i've got a meta thing where the relationship story involves the guy that wrote it and the guy that wrote it really wanted that actor to be in this role and here is that scene where this is happening Happening and um and now I know a little detail about how he uh it was just a joke, right? Ha ha ha. Chris, you gotta tell better jokes, all right? Like that's the bottom line on that one. <laughs> you you screwed it up. Um and so so now I'm well, now I'm observing this episode as a little puddle on real thin ice, way out in the middle of a pond, that just kind of seems like an ego stroke. And it doesn't look too good. And one of the things that helps the ice solidify a bit is something that um, I, I got to realize in a direct conversation with Tony Amendola, a fact which still astonishes me to this day. He mentioned that uh, of the, uh, you know, of the stories that he enjoyed or no, let me rephrase that. He, we were asking him about how the character of Braytech had developed. And he was mentioning that, uh, uh, stories written about us, and I might be paraphrasing, but he was inferring that there were these these entire stories which were Jaffa focused, and um, 
And the focus on that group was intentional and stories were written about it. And the character and the actors who played those characters felt like they belonged to that particular group. So Christopher Judge is writing a story about, quote, us, right? You know, the us in that statement, Jaffa. And he is choosing to tell a story about an aspect of Jaffa, which currently had not been explored at all. That quick question of, well, wait a minute. Why every time do we see Jaffa? They're they're big, burly dudes. What about the lady folk? Right. So he's choosing to tell a story about them, the the group of people that he identifies with because he's an actor who portrays this particular group with a complete, uh, you know, in in our imaginations. And as they're trying to tell it out with a complete story and culture of their own and and conflicts and desires, you know, la, 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 la. Um, And in that respect, then. Like I said, the ice firms up because, okay, let's go and explore a little bit more about Jaffa culture. And this is a particular aspect where we learn that, broadly speaking, uh, the women are trained to fight. But in this particular overlord's world, the women are forbidden to do anything other than die. And um, even though that is completely nonsensical when you take a long view... The, the 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 overlord is 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 fine with the middle view which is for the next five generations doesn't matter um we can get by uh and so he's he's perpetrating this uh this absolutely terrible crime um befitting a gould a system lord right like this is not this is, this is not novel in the least it's just it's just it's just it's just hitting here but now we have to come back to what was shown and how it was shown. And, and, and you made a, you made a reference and a joke about how little chemistry there was between Christopher judge and Jolene, uh, Blaylock. It was manifest in these scenes that just seemed to, to, to slow everything way down and not in the reflective way. I, I love, I love it when the episode slows it way down and gives me a chance to think. There was a particular scene of interspersed or intercut dialogue um, between uh, Teal'c and Ishta and mm, what's her face? Mala and Mala mm-hmm, and Carter. And and it, it took a couple of cuts before I realized, oh, this is supposed to be playing off of itself. These words are supposed to inter interconnect with those words. These ideas are supposed to mesh in with those ideas. And I need to be thinking about this in a total package. But it didn't really seem like those ideas meshed very well. Hmm. Um, there was uh, there was something that resembled flirting combined with something that resembled uh, confusion about what kind of... Uh, uh, there was something that resembled flirting that was intercut with something that was almost going to be about a romantic relationship. Oh, wait, just kidding. Um, and, and something about like identity and, uh, and sense of self intercut with uh, uh, the just backstory of who people were and how they got to where they are. And those two things did not work. It just didn't. Those two scenes should have remained two separate scenes. I think they cut them together to try to create some dynamism because otherwise you've got four minutes of two extremely long shots uh, uh, of a couple of actors walking through a field against uh, you know three-minute conversation of exposition. And, and yeah, and now I'm starting to bounce like a ping pong ball because that was another problem with this episode. The amount of exposition was ridiculous. Like, 
it, it was just constantly comment after comment after comment that said something that was important, but it didn't show the thing that was said. It was saying things like, I used to be a, ta- uh, you know, like it was, it was well written strictly. It packed a lot of information into a sentence efficiently. Like uh, it was when Ishta was talking with Teal because they were walking through the rye field uh, and she mentions that she was a, a temple priestess or something, you know, as befitting a temple uh-huh. priestess and then immediately moves on. Like that's a great little piece of information and it's efficiently packed in there, but it was just all over the place. Like, you know, you know, like, you know, you know, like it's 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 the it's those hilarious lines like, you know, my father, the sheriff of this town who doesn't take kindly to strangers certainly isn't going to take kindly. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, that that or the line when we uh, looked back at um, Bane, uh, I can't remember what her name is. Um uh, you know, th- there was there was a line in the middle of the episode, which is where I decided when my first viewing that this thing was completely garbage and I was just going to have fun watching it in the MST3K style. And it was mm-hmm. a line of exposition. And it was just like four things that were really important to know that were just jammed into one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just packed right, in. Yep. And, uh, you know, I mean, and so there were, mo- there were a bunch of moments like that where, where a relatively important thing was just shoved into a sentence and as opposed to shown, or perhaps that thing that needed to be said for the story to make sense indicates that your story is a little bit on thin ice that you're needing to shove all these ideas in here in order to make this thing work and that's kind of how i felt about this thing is that there was an awful lot of stuff that was kind of dumped in to try to make it work but then i go to meta and you know me i love going meta especially with sci-fi shows especially with uh, aspects of identity it's a thing of mine indeed This is a story which is nominally trying to tell a story about identity. And because it kind of screws it up, it now begins to jeopardize aspects of those systems of identity just by virtue of the fact of being stupid about it. Like, it doesn't even do a good job virtue signaling. And as a result, it then creates a big old softball that somebody can then swing and hit to take a swing at the argument of identity politics in general, and they've got something to stand on now, right? They've got the ability to actually take a swing and hit because because they're right. This was kind of a weird way to go about it. This was kind of a like bonky bonk way to talk about identity, and and it was written by yeah. And I get it. I mean, I'm about to go tropey right now, but it was written by a dude, right? Like. It was written by a dude who decided it would be a good joke to play on a guest actor to pretend like he's pissed off that the that that she didn't bother to learn the rest of the lines or something like this isn't a good look at all. And so I I have to agree. This is a crummy episode, (laughs) but (laughs) but I got a feeling I might be agreeing that it's a crummy episode on completely different merits than what somebody else might be disagreeing about because it's overly political or it's too much on the or it's working too hard or it's missing uh it's missing points of equality or it's you know there's there's aspects about it which are actually legitimate criticism though i disagree with the sentiments that work because the episode did a poor job with it and that's bringing it right back to look you've skated out on thin ice and plunk in you went right now what does that mean should dudes not write about women well, bluntly, yeah, I think so. But then where are our stories of women going to come from? I don't know. Maybe women. But we don't have any women on cast that want to write a story. Okay. 
go find a woman who's not on cast. Well, but, uh, you know, like, it's like, so, so I don't like this one, but I don't like this one for a whole bunch of complex reasons that interplay with itself. And I don't know if I wouldn't like this one in 2003. I don't think I would have liked it necessarily, but I've grown up a lot since then. And so I don't really know how I would have engaged with this story way back when it was originally when it was originally mm-hmm. aired, which was another layer that I was trying to put on top of this one of, okay, fine. It's 2022 and I'm 41 and I'm looking at this thing going, yuck, it stinks. But I like to try to get myself into the mindset of 2003 when I watch these things. And what would I have been thinking about in 2003 about this? And, da, 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 da. and even then, I, I mean, it, it, it just becomes, it becomes cloudy and it, it, it's difficult for me to decipher. And that just might be where I am. I can't get my mind back there anymore. And as a result, I look at this one and I go, ugh, I don't know, man. I, I want to say good effort because I like you, Chris Judge, the actor who portrays an awesome character, Teal'c, on TV. But... I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm not feeling so confident about this one. So there you go. Soapbox over. What do you think? So um, I have also kind of a complicated take on this episode, but mm-hmm. perhaps for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, um, I've had the opportunity to uh, kind of witness some of the character of Christopher Judge in terms of of you know seeing him and various uh, con uh, I haven't seen him in person but like watching YouTube clips of him at cons and whatnot mm-hmm. and and then in the context of uh, behind the scenes featurettes and the like um, and he is a jokey jokey guy that's just that's his nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the context of the series, uh, he is a jokey, jokey guy who works with other cast members who are jokey, jokies. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I am not going to defend him and say, well, you know, she should have known better. No. Um, but at the same time, uh, the whole, you know, line about uh, not getting your, li- you know, bit about not getting your lines memorized and all of this stuff. Um, it would it have been good for Christopher Judge to have thought ahead of time just a little bit about how he should respond to this person he doesn't know very well mm-hmm. uh, compared to his best buddies Rick and and Michael and Amanda, mm-hmm. right? Um, yes, yes, he should have. Um, this is a key thing that all of us as humans need to know. The way we talk to our best friends is fine. Such as it is, you have a contract, Brett and you and I, we have an unwritten and sometimes written contract about <laughs> how we're, because, because this is us and we talk about this stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but, but we have, you know, if, if I had come to you and said, oh, for crying out loud, Brent, I wrote this part specifically for you and you couldn't memorize oh, yeah. your lines? Oh, oh, I, I absolutely know how it would go. I would look at you. I'd give you a look. You'd look at me with a stern face and then I'd reach in my pocket and I'd pull out a rude gesture. Exactly. Yes. You know, um, uh, and, and that would be perfectly fine. And there would yes. be no problems with that. However, um, you know, like, 
in, in, in a few weeks, we're going to have Palm Sunday in the church. And mm-hmm. I think that we're going to have a reader's theater for the Passion Story for the Palm Sunday. And we're mm-hmm. probably going to have some youth doing most of the reading. And this is awesome. And some of those parts are going to be pretty big. Now, we're not asking them to memorize it, but we are asking them to, like, know their stuff. So that, mm-hmm. you know, so that uh, they're not like... Um, and if i were to say to said youth who was playing for instance the narrator and said what do you mean you haven't even bothered to look at this i made this specifically so that you could do this um that would be inappropriate yes so there is context here um uh and you know so all of that there there was a big mistake that christopher judge made in that moment with relationships and i'm fairly confident that that plays a role in the kind of stilted connection between Ishta and Teal'c on screen. Um, but at the same time, I need to set that aside when I look at the episode itself, because the episode is written ahead of time, um, and that, that's, that's its own thing, and we can deal with that separately, looking at the episode. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, the episode itself. Um, we have a story about uh, a group of women Jaffa. Well, no. What we have is a story about the development of Tritonin as a viable option for Jaffa. And in the midst of that, we have a... uh, We introduce a character that can be some form of love interest for one of our heroes. And... This is a good thing because, I mean, like take Next Generation, for example. The one actor, well, you know, the two actors that really got nothing in the way of healthy love interests was um, LeVar Burton as Jordy LaForge Mm -hmm. and Michael Dorn as Worf. Worf Mm -hmm. got a little bit of something potentially late in the series with with, uh, Troy. Um, So maybe, maybe, but... They are the two black guys in the cast. Right. And the two black guys in the cast are the one who don't get clear love stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not too far in the past compared to where Christopher Judge is in this episode. And oh, frankly, yeah. he's yeah. had at least two love interests in this series, and they have literally killed them both off. Yep. Um, and so here we have a story of, well, let's introduce a love interest for Teal'c. Who is probably the best person to write that love interest story? Oh, oh. That's going to be Christopher Judge. The, the notion of who is, if, if, you're, gonna, if you're going to uh, put the care of the story of the Jaffa into the hands of a cast member, who should you put it in? It should be the person who plays the Jaffa. That one is un, it's unyieldingly the correct answer. Yes. So I, I think the intention behind this episode was not about defining a unit of Jaffa culture called this, these women fighters. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that it wasn't there. It just wasn't the intention of the episode. Um, which then begs the question, um, can we, should we, and the answer is yes, we can, and yes, we should examine our art, our things that we do, um, and recognize how it may or may not be seen. Which... On a meta level, I am now looking at us, Brent, and here we mm-hmm. have two middle-aged white dudes. Oh, yep. <laughs> Acknowledged. <laughs> pontificating. 
shall you say, yep. shall we say, on an episode about, ostensibly about women. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am careful. I want to tread carefully yeah. in that. Because um, here we are skating out onto that ice. Um, I think the episode is slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this goes beyond all of that meta stuff. It's just a slow episode. It doesn't move fast. And that by itself isn't a bad thing. But, I mean, honestly, the best scenes are the scenes with Mala as she's dying and mm-hmm. Nessa as she's talking with Daniel and trying to figure out what is she going to do with herself. Mm-hmm. Those were great scenes. Um, and the rest of it just kind of moves along. I think you're right that, that it's an exposition-heavy episode mm-hmm. and that they tell us what they're going to do instead of just doing what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and... So I, mean, I guess that's, I, mean, I, I don't really have a conclusion so much as just a bunch of random thoughts. It just well, kind of sits there for me. It, and I, I think that a collection of random thoughts is appropriate, uh, an appropriate reaction to this episode because this episode, while not a collection of random thoughts, it's a collection of thoughts. It's barely a story. I mean, it's barely a story. There's a there's, there is a beginning, there is a middle, there is an end. There is a nominal development that happens, but... So, on a meta, meta level, things I like about this episode. Mm-hmm. A, I like that Tritonin is brought back. Um, I like that Tritonin is consistently um, uh, helpful and good for the Jaffa, right? It, mm-hmm. it actually works. Um, I also like that it is not necessarily a hundred percent effective. Yes, yes. Um, you know the the fact that Mala had to die is unfortunate, um, but in terms of developing the story and sharing the story, somebody had to die, and at least you had an actor there who uh, did a great job of portraying this character who was dying. Um, you know that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. The idea of how do we uh, deal with other Jaffa is developed, right? Um, in the before days, even Teal'c would not, and he even said it in an early episode, right? As soon as we defeat the Gould, we will use them as they use us. We will discard them as we will and just burn them out so that we can survive and we won't care. Mm-hmm. And now, admittedly, he's he's still not so hot on the Gua'uld and is perfectly fine with all of that. Even in this episode, he says this will end only when all of them are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there is development of, well, okay, we don't just take uh, the, the symbiotes from other Jaffas so that we can live, even if they happen to be the bad Jaffa. No, that, that's the line that we don't cross. We find a different way. Um, and that's, of course, what happened to Dreyak back in the day, right? She was not going to take another symbiote, even if they could have procured one for her, because mm-hmm. she wasn't going to kill somebody in that regard. Uh, and so there's this development in that, and we see this development again in this group of Jaffa in, on Hawk Till, where they get to a point where, oh, well, we're okay with just butchering anybody for our sake, because that's just the way it works, to, oh, wait. These might actually be valuable people that we shouldn't just kill willy-nilly so that we can survive. That's a great message. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. I like that. Um, 
I like that uh, uh, Teal'c has a love interest in the series that um, that is not dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. And and who is a strong character in her own right. Hmm. Um. I I hate that wig. There's I, there's I, enough. I, I, I mean, there's 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 so many little things to point at and rightly go. That's not good. That's that that was poor that's no good that doesn't make sense that that that's kind of my meta argument of that is really undermining its ability to land the punch well but uh but if i ignore all those nitpick things yes right like strong str- strong female character who's not yet who's not dead you know as i said yet i'm rolling my eyes at myself right now um not dead and is a uh uh and is a love interest for a character that we care about mm-hmm. right Yes. On paper, you know, good, and, good, good. And, um, you know, speaking from my perspective, I actually think that the characterization of uh, the women of Hocktail um, were not especially tropey. Um, I, I will defer to my women friends and yes. uh, reviewers and whatnot. Uh, yes. And if they say, oh, yes, they were, and then I'm like, okay, so I, I'm misreading something. And I, and I will happily step back from that and, and say, okay, walk me through this. Absolutely. But for my first view, well, not my first view, but, right. you know, um, you, you've got, uh, I mean, they, they strike me as Jaffa, right? They have that, that strength, that vitality, that, that go get them, that, that punch them in the face first mentality of Jaffa. And the fact that they're women happens to be second to that, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, th- I'm okay. I'm I'm okay with that. You you tell me I shouldn't be okay with this, and then then we have that conversation, and 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 I, I'll happily rechange uh, my my view potentially. Uh, you know, we'll have that conversation. But it strikes me as th- these women are are good characters. Um, they're not all the same. Um, obviously, you can't go into grand detail with all of them like you could with. Um, Carter or Teal or Daniel or, or O'Neill, but or even uh, Frazier for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they're still pretty good, I think overall. Uh, but you also have a dude who's writing them, um, and and all of this stuff. So I don't know. I'm I, I, I return to the I, I I have things, but I don't know if I have a conclusion. The as as you were as you were talking about, I'm glad. I'm really glad for these conversations, honestly. I mean, I, I, like, you know, I've said it a hundred times, but whatever, 141, two times, whatever. Um, because it does allow me to re-engage with the story. Well, critically is what we're doing is that we are engaging with the story critically. And um, right. in order to engage with anything critically, you gotta, you gotta discuss it. And, and sometimes you can have those discussions inside your own head, Um I find it a lot more easy, a lot easier to have those discussions with somebody else. And it's important then to be looking at it from a multitude of different angles. Now, I'm still grumbly about the things that I have brought up. And I stand by those grumbles for sure. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty satisfied with a little my, with my metaphor about the skating, right? Because mm-hmm. just because the ice got thin doesn't mean you punch through and you go into the water, but you're taking risks. 
And sometimes people are just oblivious about the risks that they're taking. And that's kind of what I was the meta thing. And and I and thank you for bringing up because it was on my mind and I didn't say it. The 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 element of you and me talking about this topic and me choosing to direct it into identity. And it's something that I cannot speak to. Uh, no, let me rephrase that. It's something that I believe I cannot speak to, and I know that that's a bit of a of a of a, of a gear grinder. The notion that that people are unable to speak to things that are outside of their experience, I believe it, and it's because there are elements of identity which I cannot become, and even if I decided to to venture into the identity that would allow me to suddenly experience the world as such, I have the escape button of going right back to my current self. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a different experience than somebody who wakes up in the morning and is something and the entire world sees them as that something and the entire world treats them as that something and there is nothing they can do about it at all. That is a different reality, right? And so that's why I'm so strongly saying I can't speak to that. And that's why I'm willing to point and say, and you can't write about it either. And I get it. People will be like, Brent, you're being narrow-minded. And I'm like, fine, fine. This is where I stand on this one. You can't know. But you can create an opportunity for someone who knows to talk about it. And that's where I'm critical, right? Now, again, with all of the different meta levels, this was a moment for Christopher Judge to write more story about the culture of the Jaffa in Stargate SG-1. He chose to take it in a direction that he thought was admirable and noble. I'm being critical of it. I'm acknowledging that I'm being critical of it. There are other people who might find this to be great, and they might really like that he was able to tell a story from a different angle of the Jaffa culture. And really importantly, Zach, you are you hit it right on the head. I have not heard a woman analyst critique on this episode yet. I don't know. Could be great. Could be stunk. Stinky. I don't know. Like, you know. The the possibility exists that, um, you know, like take the original Star Trek, um, and Nichelle Nichols as Uhura, mm-hmm. um, even frankly by 1960s standards, and certainly by 1990 standards, and definitely by 2020 standards, uh, the way she was written was kind of cringy. Yes. At times, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, uh, people walk up to her and have her entire life and said, thank you. And yeah. they've even walked up to, mm-hmm. to George, Gene Roddenberry and said, thank you for mm-hmm. providing somebody who looks like me in an era and at a time that it didn't exist. Right? Yep. Um, and, and I need because I'm just a middle-aged white dude, um, to give this episode space so that if it is a similar situation for whomever, Mm -hmm. uh, that this episode gives them that space. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where I need, uh, where 
my, I am unwilling to just pan the whole thing because I just don't know. Yeah, I hear I you. I just don't know. Um, so that's where I'm at. Shall we, shall we give our ratings? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the answer is yes. Yes, we should. And I think that, uh, I think that long, you know, the edit's going to take out a lot of that long pause in there. And, uh, and, and I think that part of that long pause is, it, is, is, is acknowledging that as is the case with so many good stories, even the ones you don't like the opportunity to talk about things that matter to you. <laughs> yeah. And if they matter, you can talk a lot about it. Right. So like, <laughs> this, this could probably be a four hour podcast if we let it do that, but we, we, we shouldn't, we, we that, shouldn't that is a poor choice. No. Uh, so mm-hmm. birthright. Yeah. How many chevrons is Brent going to give it? All right. I'm going to use an analogy I've used, not today, but often before. This, is, this one does feel like there were a lot of ingredients on the table that wanted to be a cake, but didn't turn into one. Um, and those are lower rated episodes, and this will be a lower rated episode for me too. But um, I, wish, I wish I had a cake. Um, I think there was the opportunity to make a really awesome cake here, and I don't think I got a really awesome cake at all. And so for me, it's three out of seven. Um, but I feel like, I feel like a teacher who's given a C minus to a kid and it's like, I know, I know you can, I know you can just nail this thing out of the park. I know you can do great work here. This is not it. Um, and I really, I really want you to do better on this one big time. Uh, this is not a, this is not a damning score. This is, this is a, this is a score that, that honestly tells you how I feel about it. But I know that you have the ability to do better. And this is weird to say because I'm saying this back in time 20 years. That's not going to work. <laughs> they're, they're not about to write any new episodes. Well, no, not public, whatever. But yeah, uh, it, it, it's it, 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 in the analogy I started off with, it did. I thought it skated out into a soft spot in the pond and it fell through. So three out of seven for me. What about you? Three out of seven. Well, um, I think that uh, I'm going to go straight down the middle with a three and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are strong things to this episode and there are weak things to this episode. I think that there are uh, a lot of great things that, that can be and, you know, without spoiling anything, will be built on in the future, which is yeah. awesome. Um, I also think that, um, you know, the... On screen, it looked like the love between Ishta and Teal'c was there because the script said so. Yeah. Um, and, and that is something that I can uh, dock the episode on mm-hmm. um, for the episode's sake. Um, so, you know, just right down the middle. I, the, there, there's something, things I like, there's things I don't like, and I've talked about those things, and I don't have anywhere else to go but, you know, <laughs> three and a half. Yep. So that makes sense. All right. Brent. Yeah. It is time for our predictions. Ah, yes. Hey, and uh, good news. Yes. I, uh, I, I, I planned ahead. So I have Twitter right here and it's ready to go. Ah, well, that's good. I'll let you do that. And while okay. you do that, I will get Facebook up and running. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So we have Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. He says, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. 
I predict I'm not the only one who dislikes this episode. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) And then uh, we've got Eric. Hi, Eric. Hi, Eric. And he says, to Master Brentak and Pelzak. (laughs) I hadn't heard the Pelzak one before. I haven't either. Yeah, to Master Brentak and Pelzak, I bring greetings and salutations. I am here on the Twitters most almost exclusively to ensure Master Brentak checks the Twitter machine and has something to read here. Ah. Though I am in agreement with the computer guy. Details provided in my email. Very good. Ah, yeah. All right. So that was that was what we got on the Twitters. Thank you. All right. Well, we have Sean on Facebook. Hi, Sean. Sean says, may your limbs be more nimble than your tongue. This is my new favorite saying. Ishta has too much emotion for a Vulcan. Oh, wait. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I rate there, this two yeah. out of five warp factors, right? NX01 has a max warp of five, right? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. yes that's right. That's right. So that's about a three and uh, a half, probably. Uh, well, or no, no, not quite. That would be about a three. Closer to three. Um, I think Zach and Brent will also rate this close to middling with a three each out of seven. As I'm Very too close. tired to do the math. <laughs> that, that's really, really, really close. Very close, Sean. I gave it that half chevron because I can. All right, Kevin says. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. It's a Jaffa ambush, except we are ambushing the Jaffa this time. Hey, I just now realized Jaffa is both singular and plural. Ah, Is this the yes. first time we've seen female Jaffa warriors? I think it is. Furthermore, hey, look, it's T'Pol. Actually, technically, no. In some episodes, there are a few times when we have seen people who are Jaffa and look apparently like warriors. But mm-hmm. uh, mostly true, yes. Uh, Jaffa, he, he continues. Jaffa-centered episodes have always been my least favorite types, and this holds mm. true here. Mm-hmm. This episode feels a bit all over the place. Like, if Moloch is so powerful, why is this the first time we've heard about him? And then later, Ishta is upset that Teal'c hasn't mentioned that he is on Tritonin, and literally seconds later in the next scene, Ishta is talking oh, gosh. about they should try yes. out Tritonin. Yes. Yeah, I, f- I forgot to bring that point up. That was another thing, and I'm like, wait, what? What? Yeah, ping pong. So, yeah. Uh, and then they need to go on a mission to steal more symbiotes. Why are they stealing more symbiotes? They are there's still three perfectly good ones on earth this is the worst episode of the season in my opinion and the only thing i like about it is that next week's episode or should i say episodes is one of my favorite of the season uh not my absolute favorite but my maybe my penultimate favorite uh who knows anyway back to this episode I predict a three from Zach and a four from Brent because mm. maybe he found something in it that brought up his score a little. I would give it a two. Now, yeah. if you'll excuse me, I'll be over here in the corner being a grumpy old man over how I don't like this episode. Oh, <laughs> by the way, a little fun fact. When O'Neill says he's all for helping people in reference to being willing to mate with the Warriors, as the screen fades to black, you can hear Carter say, oh, God. Yes. This is I, actually I, Amanda Tapping yeah. breaking character and responding to RDA's ad lib. Yes. 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 I heard I, that. I, and Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, he's all about helping people. Uh, Justin gives us a gif slash gif of Xena Warrior Princess going. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know. Um, or whatever they do all right yeah we have rowan hi rowan uh rowan gives us a warning skirting the edge of appropriateness 
Okay. If I have to edit, I will. All right. Oh, and maybe I can use my horn. Ooh. Yeah. Um, here we go. Okay. It's the planet of the rebel Lady Jaffa. The team want to give them access to Tritonin, and Teal'c wants to give to Paul, I mean, Ishta, some conversation. <laughs> the residents of Haktil keep their location secret and avoid the company of men, but let's be sure to make it very clear that there's absolutely nothing gay going on here, because it's Stargate, where everyone is 100% heterosexual 100% of the time. Holy cow, I didn't even pick up the Sappho and her friend thing, but good read. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All these women have exes who were super manly male menfolk, and they all want the sweet, totally non-phallic symbol up in their symbi- symbiote pouches. Oh, uh, um, mm. Anyway, it's always a pleasure oh. to see Jolene Blaylock on my screen. Uh, does Chris Judge just write episodes so that he can make out with hot women? If so, yeah. can we really blame him? I mean, uh, I mean, I can. Uh, so... <laughs> Brent and Zach will both give this one a four. Yeah, this episode close. has an IMDb close. rating of seven, which is three chevrons, mm-hmm. putting it in the bottom 25% of Stargate episodes overall. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Kevin responds to Rowan by saying, this episode skirts the edge of appropriate two. I think this is the only episode that feature the word penises. Uh, Yeah. Certainly the first time I think I've heard it. Yeah. 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 Yep. And, and if that yeah. is too edgy for our podcast, Brent, you can uh, honk that one out. No, it's a, it's a piece of anatomy. It's fine. Okay. And, and Rowan says, tee hee hee. Right. To that. Yeah. Right. All right. No, but definitely. So uh, <laughs> I, I <laughs> did not even have the read of like, oh, 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 oh. But I totally, I totally like the big Hulk and dudes. All right. Just, just so we're clear. I like the big dudes, all right? We're good? Yeah. Okay, we're, we're good. We're good. I like dudes. Not ladies. Not so, that really so Brent, lady. Or, dudes. Brent, I like dudes. Yeah. You like dudes? Yeah, I know. Somebody could totally cut that audio and really make a great time out of it, I'm sure. But You know, uh, hey, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. But Rowan, good read. Love it. Yes. All right. And Kimberly says. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly predicts fours out of both of us. Yeah, pretty close. I predict that both Brent and Zach will rate this the same. A Star Trek actor appearing in Stargate tends to increase scores, and we get more Jaffa development. This episode has issues in pacing and characterization, which I think mm-hmm. will prevent more chevrons from being locked. Very true. Yep. Very true. And now the emails. Email. Um, we will start with Eric, who I believe uh, wrote something on... Twitter, and said that on the he would That's right. continue Hi, Eric. on. So uh, he gives us a Stargate Iris engaged bias buffer. Greetings, uh-huh. gents. He says, um, Eric. By the way, is is one of our newest Patreons, Brent. Yes, there we go. Click. Now, now, now you have the Oosh. connections in place. Yes, now I can go down screaming down the the most grinding uh, uh, earworm of. Uh, Wormhole noises that I've ever had to endure, and they could just keep putting it into the episodes, and I wish they'd stop. All right. He says, Greetings, Jen. I didn't want to outright steal David's buffer, and I love the idea so much that I had to come up with something, so I had Radar close the iris instead. Hey, that's No GDO necessary. First prediction that I'll have gotten in on time to be counted. 
<laughs> well, Eric, nice. we are thankful that you are here with us. So welcome. Absolutely. Uh, I am a recent listener, a month and a half or so now at most, and an even more recent patron. And while I think we differ somewhat on cer- certain social issues, it's how we know we're different, I truly enjoy listening to you too. I am currently on the season six recap in the back catalog. Mm. This means that I very recently listened to Full Circle and discovered that Master Brentak is very bubbly, talkative, effusive, and effusive when inebriated, and Pelzak just gets quiet and lets his friend go. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to totally interrupt. Two weeks ago, Zach, you and me were, were we were with friends. Um... Uh, I think it was doing our ga- gaming thing and a yeah, yeah, um, yeah. uh, good friend, Justin, who writes in often with extremely long emails. He oh, and don't I have worry. F- We're getting to Justin's email in a minute. Very good. We have a fine tradition of uh, trying to create ever increasingly ridiculous containers where we put Bloody Marys in because that's how we roll. This year, it was fish bowls and... Um, they were really by, good. By, by we, we mean Justin and Brent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the two of us. Um, and it was really good. Bl- oh, it was super good. And uh, earlier in the morning, because it was the morning, uh, it was uh, observed that whenever uh, whenever I happen to hit the line, capital T, capital L, uh, it is evident because it's like a cliff. Like, I'm doing my thing, doing my thing, doing my thing. And all of a sudden, I it's not like I'm like swinging from a chandelier or something, but I have a tell. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that at some point, I was making a very irreverent reference to the Eucharist. <laughs> at which point, uh, a whole lot of people who make their living uh, involved in church or churchy things looked at each other and went, there's the cliff. <laughs> so, yes, I acknowledge that apparently I have a different persona when, when having a little bit of beverage. So, anyway, carry on, Zach. Well, and and when Brent has had his beverage, um, honestly, I find it much more fun to watch and just to see where it goes. Um, it goes I, into I, the... I, Scream yeah. singing uh, <laughs> the hymn that goes when you're <laughs> when it's time for communion. <laughs> all of this is to say I I can't actually remember what our episode of Full Circle was all about and and all of that. But uh, I am thankful that you had an enjoyable time with it, Eric. Yes, absolutely. All right. Anyway, to birthright, he says. Yes. Like Zach, I've watched this series at least a dozen times, mostly with my daughter over the past six years. Mm -hmm. I know this episode, I remember this episode, and I remember feeling similarly about this episode the way we all felt about Emancipation. Jolene Mm. Blaylock, I prefer her with dark short hair, was terrific as to Paul. I loved her in that role. She felt about as wooden as it gets in this role. Mm -hmm. And whereas stiff and formal works for a Vulcan, it comes across poorly for me in this episode. I would resonate with that, Eric. I I didn't specify that, but I did. I kind of felt. Yeah. Yeah. I felt similarly where like there was definitely this like Vulcan persona. And it wasn't, you know, it was obvious that she was emoting. 
Julian Blaylock was emoting uh, big time, right? You know, plenty of things, which he got pretty mad. But like, yeah, there was definitely this woodenness. And again, I completely agree. Works great when you're a Vulcan. Yeah. Uh, he continues. It has been a while since I saw this last, so details escape me. But I do remember that Christopher Judge didn't reach nearly the heights with this story that he did with Changeling. Mm-hmm. What is with that title anyway? Change, you know. Sometimes it's better not to ask questions. <laughs> I was never impressed with the episode and felt the topic of female empowerment a probably shouldn't be written by a man and b was poorly expressed. Also, unlike the last two love interests of Teal'c's, there is zero chemistry between Blaylock and mm-hmm. Judge. Mm-hmm. Yes, but at least she's still alive. Yes. Uh, a slightly better than average four chevrons for me. It mm-hmm. isn't skippable, but only just. Yeah. And isn't one I ever seek out for a random rewatch just to enjoy. I think Master Brentak will rant about the poor handling of the topic, similarly to Emancipation, <laughs> and give it a three at best. Yes! <laughs> yep, uh, right on the money. Pelzak with will agree and also <laughs> rate it a three out of Shevin Sevrons. Shevin Sevrons. I like Sevrons. Very, very close. Cheers, well fellows, done. and God bless. Yep. Thank you very much. All right. So, Brent, mm-hmm. we now turn our attention to the aforementioned Justin. Hello, Justin. Oh, he begins... <laughs> the subject is read at your own risk birthright review. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Hey, here All we right. go. Hucktill, Ponfar, Moloch, Tapau, Meow. <laughs> the preponderance of two syllable words slash names in the realm of Hinky is astounding. Christopher mm-hmm. Judge wrote this for Ponfar with Jolene. <laughs> I mean, it sure seems like it. Their chemistry was decent, but I kept wondering about the children of a bald man and a woman who with matted extensions, and I kept envisioning <laughs> the most epic comb over. <laughs> <laughs> What somebody think of the children? Oh, Xena wore your prince. Xenia wore Xena wore your hair. Princess's theory that men had to die for women to live is actually a reasonable response to her socialization under Moloch and the generational gender-based system, systemic trauma inflicted upon her by Moloch. Mm-hmm. We actually get, have a Gulwuld who is acting less like a pulp villain and more like the true villains of our world. Mm-hmm. Although I can see the true battle of the episode is on Dr. Fraser's field of engagement. Great drama and fierce character willing to... Uh, I'm sorry, I've been derailed by an MST3K premiere about a luchador wrestler named Santo fighting Dracula. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I got derailed by you're getting derailed by a, a luchador Dracula fighter. <laughs> All right. He concludes. Okay. <laughs> I'll say four for Crow and three and a half for Tom Servo. Which one of us is which? I'll let you guess who's who. <laughs> That's what he says. Well, I'm definitely Crow, aren't I? I, I because I, Crow isn't 
because isn't Tom the more the more the, like like between the two of us, you are definitely the 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 the, the, the more precise and crisper of the two of us, and I'm the s- silly one. Is isn't it Tom so? The is it? Is it? Oh, am 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 I the serious and you're the silly? Is that really how this is? I mean, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there are times when I'm the serious and you're the silly. Yes, hundred percent. And there are uh, also times. Anyway, he continues. Me. He you concludes. I've had okay. wine with my wife. Okay, well, you and your wife, who is a great person, you yep. have all the wine that you reasonably want, um, but not too much. I mean, you do you, man. If, hey. it's a, if it's a fishbowl of wine, don't, well, no, that's a poor choice. But, um, you know, hey, whatever, whatever it takes. Is it honey wine? Because if it is, I'm all there. He, Zach would have a fishbowl of honey wine. Ah, I, I, I probably have. That's a poor choice. But I think you'd do it. Well, so, you know, it is not uncommon for me to get together with my gaming friends. And um, I have a friend who doesn't like beer. And we mm-hmm. will often take a bottle of mead and split it between the two of us. Yeah. And and sometimes, like the last time we gamed, he wasn't feeling great. And so he didn't drink very much <laughs> wine, mead. And so... And so you had you had to do it for the I, I, team. I had to sacrifice for the team. The mead had to be finished. It it clearly had to be finished. Oh, that's awesome. All right. And now, finally, David, with his Chevron encoding bias buffer for the ladies only. Mmm. The ladies only. God. <laughs> oh, it's ladies right. night at the car wash. I think I'm going to be the outlier here in liking this episode. Hey, Kevin! Mm. A new take on... <laughs> yeah. A new take on Jaffa, a new Gua Wuld, though never seen, and a plot that is oddly relevant today. The new Jaffa, it's not just that it is an all-female group of, of Jaffa, though that is still interesting. It's that this group is rebelling against their god because of what he is doing. They are not outwardly denying that Moloch is a god, but only that he is evil and not worthy of them. I think that if Baal came across this group, he would absorb them into his armies with promises that they could have their revenge against Moloch, and most would willingly go with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, a new Gua'uld. Okay, so we don't see him, but in concept, Moloch is true to the mythological Moloch of Earth mm-hmm. in regards to child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Accuracy is nice. Yes. The plot. A treatment is offered to a group that will save them and their children, but some do not want it because it's not our way. You can't make me. I don't trust those people. Vaccine's bad. Even to the point of a potential insurrection against their leadership. Sound familiar? Did the writers get a note from the future again? (laughs) You know, that that's a good take. And honestly, it didn't hit until he just said that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm not. I'd have to think about whether or not I think that the Hocktail tribe would would follow Ball if he came there and says, "Hey, I'll totally kill Moloch for you." I'm not sure I'm there yet. But also the parallel to you know not trusting medicine. Well, yeah, sure that. Um, I think the issue there has less to do with not trusting medicine and not trusting the people who are giving the medicine. Understood. Acknowledged. And yet that is also a layer on top of current events of people not trusting medicine. Fair enough. I cannot argue on that point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, David suggests or predicts that you will give us five chevrons for the twists oh and modern relevance. 
Zach will give it five chevrons for mythological accuracy. You know? No. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, and he continues. Uh, Kevin is going to give it two chevrons because he does not like it for some silly reason. Note, as of this writing, no predictions have been made public. Um, (laughs) You got Kevin. (laughs) Did you get Kevin? (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, And he concludes, no, I won't make this a habit of predicting other predictions. That way yeah, lies right. madness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Understood. Remember that one time that I gave three ratings for one episode? I'm like, no, no, that I can't do that again. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, I do. You do remember? I remember. I, I, I remember when you gave three, epi- three ratings for one episode. That was only like three weeks ago, Brent. Yes. It was great. Uh, and, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Carry on. The next episode <laughs> is the mid-season finale. Oh, okay. Wow, we're already halfway through season seven? We are already halfway through season seven. Whoa. The How'd that happen? Well, one episode at a time, Brent. Jeez Louise. One episode at a time. Yeah, okay. The name of this episode is Evolution. Part one. Uh-huh. And so I ask you, what is the mid-season finale episode Evolution Part One of Stargate episode Stargate SG1 <laughs> Season 7? I'll get that out eventually, maybe? Maybe? All about. Evolution Part One. Next time on Stargate SG1, the SG1 team traveled through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. Curiously, this particular world seems to be prototypical, as in, they enter the world, and while it is technically safe to be breathing in the atmosphere, there are levels that seem to indicate that this planet is newly formed. It's, uh, it's, it, the, 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 the grasses are, are long and lush, but there are no trees. There are okay. Wait, strong- pause, Brent. Pause there. Yeah. How can they possibly do that in Vancouver? It's not possible. All right, continue. You got me there, Zach. And so <laughs> the whole episode is taking place on a very particular spot in the Pacific Northwest where they can mat out the trees and it really focus in on the little shrubby bushes that are right there. No, maybe they go on location. They go on location to someplace else. They spend Ooh. money on the mid-season break. Ooh. With with airfare. And <laughs> <laughs> anyway, bring it back. And in and amongst the, the, the grasses, the grasses start to shift. They hear a, a, a primordial guttural noise coming out. They're about to be attacked by something ferocious. What is it? It's a giant bug. Actually, you know what? All right. This is where I'm just going to have to just hit the eject button. <laughs> And admit that I don't know where I'm going with this one because here was the joke that I was trying to make land, Zach. Uh huh. The joke was, uh, life on Earth has been around for like what three billion years? No, Earth is four billion. It's been like two billion that we've had things crawling around. Something and, like that. And so, and I'm. My man Are we in the off, billions but, or the trillions? The Earth is in the billions. Um, okay. And it, 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 so if, if there have been things crawling around for 2 billion, then 
one billion years ago was the halfway point, part one, right? And one billion years ago, things looked nothing like they do now <laughs> at all. <laughs> And so that's where I was trying to go, is acknowledging that if it's a halfway point, if it's evolution part one, then we're in a spot that we're just like, there's not a whole lot going on right now. Ah. Join us next time for Stargate SG-1, where there's a whole lot nothing going on. I I will... um, Evolution part one. ...give you props for the effort and Uh, say that there is actually enough stuff going on in this episode. I suspect that there's going to be much more interesting things than grass. Yes. Yes, there will be. Now, uh, and then, you know, immediately after this, I'm going to have to go to like, you know, brush up on my uh, on my paleobiology to try and remember like, oh, yeah, this is what it was. Indeed. Uh, all right. Uh, well, Brent, yes. shall we watch David's video promo to see what the episode's about? Yep. OK, look, I'm hitting play now. You must go from this place next time on Stargate SG-1. Oop. We came to forge an alliance. My master did not do this. Nicholas Ballard, my uh, grandfather. One of Nick's early obsessions was finding the so-called fountain of youth. Then what happened here? One warrior. A deadly oh, no. new enemy. Oh. Wait a minute, is that? Uh, he claimed he found evidence indicating the source of the fountain's power. And the search for a mythical treasure. Alien technology used by early Mayan tribes. Of- Oh. What is their mysterious connection? What? Darth Vader? Yeah. This is written in an obscure dialect of gold. It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. Is it C4-proof? It's C4-proof! Oh. Uh-oh. Uh huh. It appears that Daniel Jackson and Dr. Lee have been kidnapped. Oh, kidnapped? Uh huh. Oh no. So we got ourselves a threat that is not Anubis and is not susceptible to C4. Uh huh. In the mid part of season seven. Oh boy. Things are about to get spicy. Yes, they are. Oh my. I oh hope my. I do like spicy food because I, this I is I do like it. spicy. I really do like spicy. So thank you, David, for yes, the promo. Yes, thank you, David. Um, and uh, that's awesome. And uh, so this is an episode that clearly got us talking about a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and David brought in some new ideas there at the end that didn't give us enough time to really chew on them, but they're good no, ideas. No, but that was, a good, that was a good read. So there is clearly... A lot in this episode that is worth talking about. And so mm-hmm. if you have more to say, if you are things you want to share with us, please email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com or share it on Twitter or on the Facebooks or in the Discords or wherever it is that you happen to be. Uh, you know, if you're in the supermarket, go ahead and share your thoughts there. You might get some crazy looks, but hey, you do you. Mm-hmm. In any case, with all of that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.